What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 54 of the Lynch with Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, I don't know about you, but I am pumped for college football. All our favorite teams are O and O. Everybody's got a shot. But soon, college football Saturdays and now Thursday nights and Sunday nights when they're playing will be uh, taken up with all what's going to happen. Is this coach going to keep their job? Why isn't this player performing? And we always listen to the reporters, the reporters that that bring us the scoop, the reporters that bring us the the, the inside of college football. And one of the best in the business is our guest today on Lynch with a Leader. Her name is Rachel Barbeau. Rachel graduated from Auburn University Broadcast Journalism Program and has become a master in her craft. You've seen her on national television, on Fox Sports, ESPN, CBS Sports, Yahoo, Sirius XM. In fact, when you listen to the broadcast today, she was just off the sidelines from the national championship game at the beginning of this season. And she is a special lady, but she has a heart for more than football. She has a heart to change the narrative in this generation. You are going to be inspired, you are going to be challenged, and you are going to enjoy my time with Rachel. So I want you to pull up a chair, and I want you to listen in to my time with sports analyst, Miss Rachel Barbeau. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. It is a blessing and an honor to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It means it means the world. We've been trying to do this for a little bit, and uh, I'm so glad that we finally connected and are able to chat and have this uh, this kinship and this time to talk about life because it's precious. And um, and I'm at a point in my life where um, God is just really speaking to me, and so I, I would was really excited and felt like this was the the morning, the day after the national championship to have this conversation. I love it. So you're on the field last night, national championship game, Clemson, Alabama. What is that feeling like to be on the field? Did you ever dream Mm -hmm. that you would be on a college football field on a national championship night? No, I mean, for you, so first of all, I, I went to school at Auburn to be a general assignment reporter, and then I realized very quickly I could not do house fires and car wrecks. I just was not, <laughs> my heart was not, God made me this, you know, sentimental, sappy, uh, yet sassy, sometimes Latina. And, you know, and I, I tell people all the time, why are you dying to fit in when you're born to stand out? If mm. God takes if God takes the the effort and the time to create a snowflake as as different as He creates these snowflakes, each one and they're both a, you know they're each one of them are, are uh, a piece of art in themselves. I just tell people all the time, my gosh, in a state of comparison, 
why are we trying to fit in? And so for me, I never could see this. I was just always trying to, you know, really, to be honest with you, keep food on the table, you know, and, and, and when I was at Auburn, I, I said, okay, well, this is not working, you know, just in terms of house fires and car wrecks, it makes me sad. And, and by the grace of God, I got sent out on a baseball assignment. And, um, I remember doing my first interview and I was so nervous. My eyeballs were twitching and I was sweating, you know, I was, I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. And, uh, but from that moment forward, then, then not long after that, I got sent out, uh, to, and I'd always loved football, but to be on the sidelines of a football game. And that's when the bug hit me and I went, Whoa, I'm never, ever doing, you know, anything else, uh, just in terms of, you know, professional career. And, and so it's funny that you asked that because last night I had gone up to the press box for a bit to grab something to eat. And I walked back down and I'm walking out one of the tun- these massive tunnels at 49ers stadium. I got a chance to visit with the, the owner Al Guido this week and, and just hear his dream. And I'm walking out and I, and I took a video and I said, Lord, let, let me never forget this. Let me never forget this. Let me never take this for granted. I'm walking out on a field on the biggest stage between the two biggest teams in a, in a thing called the college football playoff that at one point in time, when I started my radio career, I never even thought we might ever have a playoff. I thought we'd always have the BCS. And so in that moment, it was just a, I live my life this way, pinch yourself every single day, live in a state of awe. And, but it was definitely, it came home to roost last night. When did you discover Rachel? So here you are, you're a budding reporter and then, then you get your itch for journalism and, and through the area of athletics. Mm-hmm. Where did you discover Rachel in all this? Where did you hone down to that person that God created you to be? Quite honestly, it's when I, you make me cry, happy tears as my grandmother would call them. So we were when I rededicated my life at, mm-hmm. at 29. I was I think I was 29 or 30. And until then, man, I, I mean, I had shades of, you know, I mean, and not to say I wasn't a good girl and not to say that I didn't love my family and not to say all those things, but man, I was so, uh, me motivated. I, uh, the devil didn't have to chase me cause I was doing it to myself. I was trying to fill holes with the things of the world. Uh, you know, my, um, my worth, I thought, you know, with the opposite sex came from my, uh, you know, my, my beauty or my sexuality. I mean, I was just really lost. And, and in all that time, God, just like the precious father he is would just call to me and say, baby girl, I created you for so much more. And when I finally turned my life over to him fully, just, you know, it was as if, I mean, we say born again, but I was Mm -hmm. literally born again, Mm -hmm. quite honestly. How did that happen? How did that whole thing come about? What was, what were some of the things that led up to that? I was lost. Uh, I, I, quite honestly, I was very, very lost. Um, I was living two separate lives. I was living this life of which you saw Rachel Barbeau, you know, a young trailblazer getting this opportunity and that opportunity and, and pushing hard and doing these things. But on the, on the inside, I was just filling these holes in my heart with the things of the world and uh, childhood hurts and, and relations with the opposite sex and substances and, you know, and and men. And I mean, I was just hurt. I was hurt. And, and, you know, and I finally got to a point where my soul was tired. My soul was tired of, of running from God and trying to fix it, do it my way and have temporary fixes. 
And, um, and finally, I just finally, uh, I remember looking at my girlfriend and saying, we were on a, a trip home from New Orleans. And I said, I, I don't want to live this way anymore. And she said, I don't either. And I, I, I had been listening, you know, and I, and I'd been saved. I was saved at a church camp when I was 14. I had one of those experiences where you say, I'm not going to go down. I'm not going to yeah, go down. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. 14. And literally supernaturally, your fingers get lifted off the pew and you go down and I could see it just like it was yesterday. But I had been doing life on my own mm. and God was not the, he was not my driver. He wasn't even my co-pilot. He was in the trunk, you know, if anything, I, I tried to put him there. And that whole time, what I love about, what I love about faith and, and God is so many people think it's religion, but it's such a relationship. Mm. There's, su- there's such a wooing of your soul because the wooing of your soul, because he created you, he knows you, you know, he created, he knows the number of hairs on your head, the order of them, you know, he knew he knitted you and you're in your mother's womb, both of us, all of us. And so he know he, that whole time there was that come back to me, Rachel, come back to me, that wooing, but it was never, you're doing wrong. You're doing, it was, I love you. And I want more for you. And man, when I finally turned my life over, I remember one morning after partying at this, at this lake house and had my dogs with me. And that night I just, I just said, I, I don't want this anymore. And, and, uh, I got up and, and literally ran to church. I mean, yeah, I couldn't have driven to church fast enough. And I laid my head on that, uh, on that altar and, um, I never looked back and wow. probably the most beautiful love story in my entire life. Yeah. Boy, <laughs> you, what a great phrase that you said, my soul was tired. Yeah. That is a great, so if, if somebody's listening today, Rachel, and they go, I think I'm there, I yeah. think. I think, you know, I've got a great, I live in a beautiful house. Yeah. I've got a great career. Everybody thinks I've got it. Yeah. But on the inside, my soul is tired. What is that like for yeah. your soul to be tired? What are some of the the things that, that a person would go, yeah, that's me? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I love how you you chose that. And we're going down that that path and that road because I have been there and I can speak to that. It is you are, you, you're tired of keeping up the pretenses. You're tired of keeping the mask is hard to put on every morning. The emotions are hard to hide. The smiles are hard to fake. Uh, the, you know, you, it, it, uh, for me and and not so much because I was a struggling, you know, sports catcher time, but for some people you keep buying and you keep doing and you keep acquiring and one of the things, and we'll talk about it later with changing the narrative that we, we talk about with my life's goal and mission and what God put on my heart is, is you know, it, I know some of the richest people, right? But yet actually they're the poorest. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you will not, I think it was Billy Graham that said that, you know, you won't take these things to heaven. You won't take the, the, the Porsche to heaven. You won't take the money to heaven. What you will take to heaven are the lives you touched and the experiences you had, and um, the moments, the strung together beautiful moments of life that make a life. That's what you'll take to heaven, the legacy that you leave, the people that you touch. Those, And I, I often say this, I am so far from a millionaire, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I am a millionaire. And because for me, I have figured out that people are my currency, people are my jam, loving on people, 
hugging people, lifting them up, complete strangers, people I love, whatever it may be, that they're my they're my thing. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I'm a millionaire. And so when you're tired, it's all the things of the world, right? It's all the things that the devil uses to try to keep us hamstrung and hemmed up. And you get to a point where, and, and some people that are listening to this may not have heard God whisper to them, or maybe he has been trying, but they didn't know it was God. Because listen, God comes on the wind. He mm. speaks to people. He comes to you through books, through literature. I mean, he comes to you a lot of different ways. There are people that have literally sent me text messages, you know, all the time say, God spoke to me directly about you, or I dreamed about you, or you need to know this, or I've been feeling this way about you. So, you know, for the people that are listening, I would say this, if you're feeling that way, if you're feeling like your soul is tired, like any of that sounded somewhat most any remotely familiar to you, I would say, have, what, what do you have to lose by having a conversation with God? Even if you don't believe he is up there and created you, what is it going to hurt you to have a conversation and say, God, are you there? Mm. If you're there, show me you're real. Show me, send me a sign. You know, I I often ask for him, you know, because I'm going, 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 busy, busy, busy. But um, what is that going to hurt? You know, And, and I'm telling you, I guarantee you, as I know that the sun came up this morning, he will answer you man rachel gets remade god god reaches in he remakes your heart he remakes your life people look at your life now and and you're on sirius xm espn u radio television you didn't just end up there so god god get rachel doesn't turn her life over to jesus and jesus goes okay let me let you bypass all these these steps what was the journey like so you give your heart over to jesus what got you from then to today? How yeah. did that little, how did that journey happen? You know, I, it's, uh, I laugh and say this, I'm, I would never compare myself to a cockroach, but uh, <laughs> I, I said this. I've never somebody. heard that before. That's yeah. a new one. That's I a said, new one. Uh, I said, I'm like a cockroach. You just can't kill me, you know, in this That's business. Awesome. Uh, and, 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 and jokes aside, here's how I've survived and, and not even survived, but thrived and God, and here's how the next opportunity has always come about. It's because, as I mentioned, uh, people know that that I'm I'm easy and good to work with. They know I'm a hard worker. They know I'm going to treat people well. They know I'm enthusiastic. My middle name's Joy. They know, for the most part, I'm going to be a joy. Um, you know, and and I'm not perfect, but they know those things. And I tell people this all the time. I feel like, and I don't whatever whatever um, uh, industry you are in, your attitude matters. Your effort matters. Um, I would venture to say up to about probably 40% of the reason I've gotten every job I've gotten is somebody took a liking to me and cracked the door for me. And then I went and kicked it down. All Mm. they did was, was, you know, unlatch it, if you will. And then I took it from there. And so I would say, you know, to anybody who's listening, your attitude, your effort, all of that matters. But God just kept bringing the next opportunity, the next opportunity. So it's, it's 2009. I think this is probably one of the, the the greatest stories, and it's a theme that that is very pervasive in my life. But in 2009, I, the economic downturn happened just before that, and uh, earlier in that year. And I finally had a paying radio show. I worked for a couple of years for free. I lived with my grandmother in Columbus, Georgia, and I finally had a paying radio show. And uh, because of the economic downturn, my boss called us in the office that afternoon and said, 
we can no longer pay you. I'm sorry, you no longer have a show. And we said, what? You know, can we go on the air and say goodbye? And he said, no, I'm sorry. So mm. I went home and I cried myself to sleep for three days, you know, the third day. And Mac Powell, by the way, the lead singer is a dear friend of mine. And I think it's interesting that he looks like Jesus. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. When he wears that beard. But uh, on the third day, I pulled myself up by bootstraps and I said, okay, what am I going to do here? And I called every, um, every radio station in the country because I had been doing radio on all these you know, stations as a guest for years. And I said, please keep me on. Just you know, call me Rachel Barbeau, sportscaster. And I went to work in a hair salon and I would go out in the back managing a hair salon. I didn't know anything about cutting hair. And, and so I'd go out in the back and do my radio hits. And that summer I called a friend and SEC media days was happening. That's kind of where everybody gets their, uh, you know, their jobs and their shots. And I called a friend and I said, can I get a credential with you? I'll work. I'll do whatever. I'll capture sound. I'll get your coffee. Remain humble. That's the other thing. Mm -hmm. Never get too big for your britches. When you just when you think you have made it and you are good and and you are hot stuff, that's when that ego will just get you wiped out and somebody else will take your job. And so I, I, I humbled myself and said that. And he said, I got your credential and I don't need anything from you. And I said, really, you don't need anything. He said, no, I don't need anything from you. I showed up and I was working for future Rachel. And I showed up to every one of those press conferences 20 minutes early and I stayed 20 minutes late. And in a room of a hundred men with maybe two or three females in which a coach came in there, uh, he, he would come in and make a statement and then everybody would ask questions at the same time. And so it sounded like this, like a hundred voices. Somehow little old Rachel in the back of the room, standing on a chair would get a question asked to everyone. And at the end of those three days, someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, wow, I'm really impressed with you. Would you like to come to Tuscaloosa and cover the Crimson Tide? Now, keep in mind, I went to Auburn. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) I said, I love that. I have 24 hours to go home and pray about it. And I went home and prayed about it and talked to my parents because they're my guiding lights. And, and I said, um, and I said, of course, I I went back. I said, I want to do this. I don't want to be just an Auburn reporter. And that fall, I was on an interstate. This is God for you. I was on an interstate with the with the interstate shut down, heading to the Rose Bowl, covering my very first national championship. And then from there, I had a radio show in Birmingham. I started a radio show and launched a CBS station in Atlanta with Cordell Stewart and then ACC sideline reporter. And then even bigger, uh, God came along and said, let's make you the first female on Sirius XM, ESPNU, and then now all their first and only and all their conference channels. And um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. So crazy, isn't it? And, 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 and the beauty of that, Rachel, I was reading your story. The beauty of that is God did his part and Rachel did her part. Yes. And I think so many times we we want God to do his part, but we're not expectant to be looking for our part. All right, what's that door I need to kick down? What's that What's that question I need to answer? What's that person I need to call? Why did God connect these relationships? And yes. I love that because there was so much tenacity involved yes. in it to get where you are today. And now God's really put a thing on your heart. And I love what you're doing with changing the narrative. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody a little bit about it. You know, a lot of our a lot of our listeners are sports fans. Yeah. But they may not know this side of what's going on in the locker rooms and in the the team rooms where you're going in and helping young men be more than a football player. Share, yes. share with everybody a little bit about changing the narrative. You know what I say to people is there is a difference in making a living and making a life. 
Okay. There's a difference in making a living and making a legacy. And what I, what I want for everybody on this podcast is to find what sets their soul on fire and run towards it with everything they have with reckless abandon. And you may say, well, Rachel, I can't do that. I can only do that at night or on the weekends. Well, do it on the night and the weekends. Do it on your lunch hour. Do it on your breaks. Whatever it is that's your, your passion project, the thing that God put on your heart. In 2016, I really saw a problem with, uh, with college athletics. Particularly, we had guys across the country, no, no school is immune to it, getting arrested for domestic violence, sexual violence all sorts of things. And it, when you, it was a dark summer. You couldn't turn the, the uh, CBS, ESPN, anything on without negative, 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 negative. And I knew that there were great people playing football. And I just happened to start with football. People ask me all the time, How, yep. why football? Well, I'm a football reporter. So that's where I started. But I said, uh, you know, I said, wow, I was doing serious shows that summer. And I would have to step away from the serious show and cry because this was just not the sport that I'd given my life to to cover. So because God made me a do something girl, that's how he created me, as you said. And, and, and somebody said to me one time, and you hit the nail on the head, God does want to bless you, but he expects you to pick up your shovel and do the work. You don't, sure. You're not going to get blessed from your couch. You're not going to get blessed. Woo, woo, Holy Spirit, yep. come down on you and your couch and your pajamas while you're lazy. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta do the work. You gotta meet God and allow him to do that. And so I was just audacious enough. And I need to get you both these guys on your podcast. Um, Bill Busey, he's an author. It's amazing. Kevin Elko, sports psychologist, Nick Saban's right-hand man. I was fortunate enough to, to know those people. And I wrote this little curriculum called Changing the Narrative. And it was little stuff like, who are you away from the football field? What if you never were a football player? Um, what makes your heart beat faster? Um, you were not put on this earth to play football or, or baseball. You, that's just a platform for you to change the world. And so I was just audacious enough to believe this could be something. And my original intent was to take it into high schools. And I was out in Jackson Hole with my family on, on family vacation. And Kevin Elko calls and says, um, get ready. Uh, FSU wants you and Jimbo Fisher wants to make you the first female sportscaster to ever address his football team. And I said, wow. What? And, uh, so that was in August of 2016. And since then, I've been to 38 schools and counting. And uh, we're booking out for 2019 right now. And it's just been a, it's been unreal, the life change. It's expanded now what we talk about beyond purpose, passion platform. We talk about how do we view, if we're talking to men, we talk about how do we view women and how do we treat women? It's not enough to talk about treat her nice if you don't really respect a woman. Mm. If you don't really respect, if you got some junk in your trunk with your mama or your aunt or whatever, or women in your life, or you had an emasculating woman or a woman that abused you or was mean to you, that eventually how you feel about a woman is going to eventually come out. So how mm. do we, let's really get down to brass tacks about how we feel about a woman. Then what does it look like to be chivalrous? This generation has not by and large from media, music, culture has not been taught respect and chivalry. They just have not. And in fact, this culture and where we're at, that is really the, the devils in the world, they're taught the opposite, the disrespect and, and not helping and looking the other way, not getting involved. So we talk about being a king. And then most recently, we, and the hashtag is be a king. And then most recently, because I've realized and going to these 38 schools that young men are dying across the country because they think I say toxic masculinity is a different thing. I, th I see toxic masculinity as 
the idea that it's not masculine, it's not attractive, it's not strong to say you're struggling. And so for me, I go in there and turn that on its head and say, you've never been more masculine, you've never been more strong, you've never been more attractive to the opposite sex is when you say I got some junk, I got some stuff I got to work out, I need help. Because so many of them come to me and say, I've never told anybody this, or I'm so angry, or you know, my mom was sexually assaulted. No one helped her. And, and I'm about to be kicked off the football team because they think I'm a bad person, but I'm just so angry, Miss Rachel. Can you help me? You know, a hundred thousand, I mean, literally hundreds of stories like that. So we talk about baby, it's okay to say you're struggling mm -hmm. and it's okay to say, let's, let's get help. And uh, so that's where that has progressed to. And then now I've also started speaking to women. And what I tell women is, straighten your crown, baby girl, you were, you were, are a child of the most high God. And when I'm in schools, a lot of times I can't speak God. I can't say the word God a lot of times, but what I can do is my, my friend Bobby Bowden says is you're preaching the gospel without ever preaching the gospel. Um, and, and then when I get him in my arms, I tell him about Jesus, of course, but I have to be mindful of that because of the world that we live in today, but really telling women, man, um, just the self-love and self-respect. And when you start to do that, other people are going to treat you that same way. Are you, are you finding that coaches are going, man, we need this. Yeah. We, are, are they looking at their, their team? We'll take a, we'll take a football. We started yeah. there. We're taking yeah. a football team. A coach looks at him and goes, man, there's only so much I can do. I've got to have somebody else come in and speak into this. Are you finding that? Absolutely. I'm, I'm not going to uh, listen. I, 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 I try to be as transparent as possible. There are some still that, that, that I think I come in, they, I check the box and, and I'm gone. Yeah. Um, but I think there are far more that afterwards sit in their office with tears in their eyes or watch. Here's how, here's the way I judge if, if, if it mattered and I would quit if this didn't happen, but I speak for about 55 minutes and then I'd stay for another hour. I'll stay for two hours. I'll stay now. A lot of times people are having me on campus to speak to multiple groups, but I'll stay and I'll stay in that front of the room. And I said, you know, if anything, if this meant anything to you, you know, come let me know. These players will line up 55 deep, 40 deep, 30 deep. And my friend Condor Tolloway, dear friend of mine at Tennessee, the artful Dodger, he was at my, my talk there in Tennessee. And he said, I'm, I'm stunned by the fact that, you talk for 55 minutes and on an off night where no one had to be here. Okay. Mm -hmm. Other than just for this talk. And then they were released that up to 40 to 50 players waited another 55 minutes to be wow. hugged by you and to be, and I'm no one special. I'm just somebody that has allowed God to use me, but to talk to you, to tell you their problems, to tell you what's going on in their life. And so if that wasn't the case, I wouldn't do this. And I, and I say to these ADs and these coaches, I'm a lifer. Mm. I'm going to try not to cry in this story. Um, I never want to come in and, um, and, and talk to these guys and leave. So what happens at the end of my talk is I put up my Twitter address and I say, here's my Twitter address, pull out your phones, follow me. And then I follow them back and it gives us a safe place to DM. And so they'll reach out to me and tell me about forgiving their deadbeat dads. Mm. They'll reach out to me and tell me, about, um, you know, the birth of their baby. They'll reach out and tell me how they're not being a king and they want to be a king. They'll reach out and tell me about the anger that they have over their parents' divorce and they want to get better. And so it allows us to have this, you know, these, these relationships. And just recently, one of my players, he sent me, um, 
sent me some of the first pictures of his newborn um, in the delivery room, you know, and uh, he wants, he wants help restarting his grandmother's orphanage in Zimbabwe. Mm. Mm. Fulfilling, isn't it? I mean, when that kind of stuff happens, you go, all right, I think I know why I'm here. Yeah. Those are those God winks when, when you go, okay, God, I think, I think I'm starting to get a little glimpse of why you put me on this earth. Yes, lots of people listen to me on the radio. Yes, lots of people yeah. know my name. But that that young man, yeah. if, if I hadn't have had the calling that I had, I may not have ever been able, he may not have ever been able to find that side of him that he found. We work with a lot of colleges and a lot of athletic departments. Yeah. If people want to get in touch with you and find out is the best way through Twitter is just to follow you on Twitter. Yeah, and- Twitter. Yeah, Twitter, and then um, the website is imchangingthenarrative.org, and we're developing a program in 2019 where you can become an ambassador and you can do work in your own community. And so you can become a Changing the Narrative ambassador, and we send you a shirt and kit, and, I, and you get to talk to me, and and I you know, help you go out to your community and, and make your mark and find your own Changing the Narrative. And so we always need volunteers. We are a nonprofit. We need so what happens when I go in a second time to a school, kind of cool, that same young man, right? After I went to his school at UAB, uh, the first time he reached out to me and said, you know, I'm, I'm raising my girlfriend's kids. And, uh, and I said, well, you need to marry her, you know, let's, let's do that. And I said, um, and he said, I want to start my, you know, my restart my grandmother's orphanage. I said, okay, that's great. So we developed this relationship. Well, I went back the second time because I've worked with the NCAA and I have a changing the narrative award and it's voted on by everybody on the team. And it can be a, an athlete or a trainer, non-student athlete, I mean, a non-athlete. And we vote on the person, the king or the queen that most exemplifies the changing the narrative tenets. So they're kind, they're thoughtful, they lead, they serve, they give. They're extraordinary in every single way. That young man, Craig Kanyangara, I always screw up his last name. He was voted on by almost uh, 60% of his teammates, like overwhelmingly voted him. So he's tears running down his face. He's, you know, so what he gets is a 1500, the opportunity to apply when he leaves school for a $1,500 grant to, uh, to use towards whatever his own changing the narrative is. Right. So it's not used for business. It has to be used in, in a nonprofit way in a, in, in that realm to give back. But yeah, that's any, anything that anybody feels led to do and says, Hey, I I'm aligned with that. Yes. That speaks to my heart. That tugs my heartstrings. We're raising up a generation of Kings and Queens. And the other thing is it's been great. I've had 60 year old people. I've had, you know, 50 year olds, 40 year olds, 30 year olds come to me and say, this has inspired me. So it's not just for the college age. Boy, I love that. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of you. And so proud of how you're using and taking the talents. And here's what I'm most proud about, Rachel. And I don't know you. We know each other from from DMing back and forth on Twitter. But I I think I know your heart. You prayed for God to open a door. God opened a door. You kicked the door in. You ran through the door. But you didn't forget why he opened the door. And Mm -hmm. I love that you're using those gifts and abilities that he's given you for a purpose bigger than you. And I think our easiest thing is in life and most of the people out there that want to be a success, they all start out for the right reasons. Then sometimes they end up or we end up a success. And then we go, Oh yeah, this is sort of nice. And we, we kick back and get on easy street and forget, okay, God put me here for a purpose and a reason. 
So while you're in this, Rachel, how do you keep yeah. growing? You're giving out, you're giving out, you're giving out. What feeds Rachel? What, yeah. what keeps you, what keeps you spiritually nourished? What would you say? I would say, first of all, um, and to your previous thought, I would say this, one of our big tenets in changing the narrative, it's not about, it's not about you. Mm. Don't, don't die having worked your whole life. Don't, you know, don't die without figuring out what your, your purpose is on this planet. You know, I vote for the Heisman. I just, you know, hosted the college football playoff, repping them, one of the greatest brands in the world in terms of college football. But, but nothing compares to, to when I have a player in my arm. What, nothing compares to when I have someone in my arm who says, I'll never be the same. Mm-hmm. You changed my life. And I don't want anybody who's listening to this program uh, and this podcast, which is so amazing. You're doing that too. You're an extension uh, of God. I think you're, you're, we're, we're, we're a Bible with skin on it, you know, yeah, when we're right. doing what we're meant to do. And, and so I would say to people, don't die with those, those, you know, those gifts don't die with what's inside of you that, you know, that little tickle, that little voice in the back of your head, that little whisper, that thing that people have been telling you over and over again, don't die with that. But what nourishes me and, and what, what feeds me really are these interactions. That's, that's the first thing, you know, when, when Craig's grandmother called me from Zimbabwe and I could barely understand her to tell me about the orphanage and how it had six beds, but she really wanted 12 beds. And she said, you the boss now, you the boss now. (laughs) And I said, Oh no, 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 grandmother, I'm not the boss, but I'll do everything I can to help you. Um, you know, that's it. I guess for me, it's not things. Mm. It's, certainly not things. It's not, it's not stature. It's not power. Uh, for me, it's precious time and interactions and it fuels my soul. When, uh, God sends cardinals in my backyard, I feed my birds in the winter and, you know, cardinals, I got a bunny and cardinals and all, you know, doves and, you know, pheasant. I mean, I got all these different, and it's like God saying, we, you know, we can all work at this thing together. Little things like that this opportunity this morning, you know, getting messages last night, you know, at the national championship, you know, you inspire me. Thank you for, you know, for giving me a, you know, something to, to want to be and aspire to. Thank you for being a strong woman. I saw a girl last night on the sidelines and she was the steady cam operator. I mean, she had probably 20 pieces of equipment on her. Mm. She was just doing her job with honor and she was running her race. And I tweeted, tweeted it out and it, it ended up getting a ton of retweets. People were like, oh, I know who that is. You know, so really edifying people. It's, it's interesting to me. I, I gain strength. I, uh, I am who I am when I pour into people. And that is the opposite of a lot of people. You know, people, oftentimes people need something to put into them to, to refuel. I'm, I'm my most full and, and beautiful when I'm empty, if that mm, makes sense. When absolutely it does. Everything that God has given me, mm. that's when I'm the most at peace and feel the most connected to God. When God said, you, you have run your race, baby girl, you know, and you've done it well. Yeah. But, but to answer that in a, in a tangible way, making time to get in the Bible, get in the word. The other, the, this is one of the things I love to do. And for any person that's busy, um, any person, whatever field you're in, 
I, for years, before I go on an assignment, before I start a show, when I'm traveling, when I'm doing these you know, big events, whatever it may be, or even at the house, I start my day with praise music. I put my fate playlist on, or I put my worship music, whatever it is, right? I put it on. And I just walk around and I talk to God in the morning. I just talk to God. I praise, you know, I have my hand raised, you know, um, you know, I just, I get down like James Brown with Jesus in the morning. And I know that sometimes there's some days where that doesn't happen. And God's saying, come back to me, come back to me, be intentional. And so my other word for, for people in 2019 is to beyond being intentional is slow Mm. down. You can become fragmented and fractured and you can put one too many things on your plate. And God really is saying to me, slow down. You know, you, you smell the roses already, but take, you know, take more time to smell them. Take more time to listen for me and and to connect with me. Why did God create you? What do you think was the purpose God created when he formed you and he knit you together in your mother's womb and he set you on this path? Why do you think? God created Rachel Barbeau. It's a very simple answer for me. I think it was for changing the narrative. I I do. It wasn't to vote for the Heisman. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. And I'm proud of those things, but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't. These athletes are everything to me. These people are everything to me. And their stories of life change are, are everything to me. Uh, and one of my friends that's in the in the media business really summed it up perfectly. He said, um, <clears throat> you, you don't really get it, Rachel. He said, um, you think you've just affected this athlete. He said, but if he goes home and he breaks the cycle of, of substance abuse or abuse or whatever it may be, and he changes it, then his children and his children and his children and his children will be kings and queens. And so generationally, you've really affected people. And so for me, when I think that um, one day in the near future that a child may get the opportunity to go to school and have a hot meal in Zimbabwe because of some little action I took, that's just um, everything to me. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed our time with Rachel today. You know, I followed her on Twitter long before she became uh, a person to be a guest on this podcast, and I always admired her passion. I always admired her craft and how well she does her craft. But, you know, after spending a little bit of time with her, I I admire her, her love for people, her love for what she does, and her love for the Lord. She is a special, special lady. You know, even uh, honoring our time together, the way the podcast fell and having to move some things around, falling on the morning after the championship game, and yet she still held her commitment. She said, no, I made a commitment to be on there with you. And she was just absolutely delightful. And I love the difference she's making from men and women on college campuses. She talks about changing the narrative And man, I tell you what, she is just flat out getting it done. And I am so proud now to call her a friend. Uh, Man, I encourage you highly to follow her and all that God is doing and using and the ways that he's using her. Well, our next episode is going to be another great one. 
we get to sit down with Mr. Rodney Bullard. Rodney's the executive director of the Chick-fil-A Foundation. He's just come out with a brand new book on heroes and how do we find heroes in this generation. And he is going to uh, be another one that you just go, man, how do I not know this person? Many of you know Rodney, but many of you may not. But I tell you what, he flat out brings the goods. And he's one when we got done, I, I was sweating because of all the good stuff that he dropped on me. And you are going to love my time with Rodney. Well, I hope you'll share this. If you've enjoyed this, share this episode. Go to iTunes. You can just click share and send it to Twitter or Facebook. It's a great way to get the word out there. I share it on social media. Leave a review for us. Reviews always mean so much to me. And beginning next episode, we're going to begin to read some of those. And uh, man, they mean a ton to me and they mean a ton to those that don't know this podcast exists yet. But once again, thanks for joining us. I hope we've added value to your life and your leadership and your pursuit of being the best that God created you to be. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.